want to share on kingdom leadership the second part of what I started last week, but it being team. And so I've asked Rob Vanderblist if he would come and just share something. So he gets to start. Let me make sure you're on here. Thank you. Go ahead. Helen said she'll put her hand up after 10 minutes to tell me to sit down. <laughs> so I'd like to share about um, marriage and team. Um, Helen and I have been married for 37 years and it's been great. We've been very blessed. Um, we've, we've often talked about how blessed we've been, how, how uniquely blessed it seems. We, we understand God doesn't owe us anything but in this he's been growing us as a team together. There's a, a concept in medicine, um, or general concept of synergy, and it goes like this. There are, there are medications that say, for the heart, that can give you a 10% improvement in the function of the heart. So you might have two that both give each 10%. But when you put them together, something funny happens and you actually don't get 20%, you get 30% benefit, and that's what synergy is. And it's a combined effect that's greater than the sum of the separate effects. And that's what God's math's like. <laughs> Russ talked about that recently, that um, if God has our source, 90% goes further than 100%, it seems. And I think in marriage, God's team, one and one makes three. Now, I know, of course, that can be kids, <laughs> and four and five and six and seven. But, but it's lots of other ways as well. But in the past... Um, it's not always been that easy for us. And part of that, a significant part of that, has been me. Um, when I met Helen, I really valued some things in her. She was easy going. I loved that. Um, we, we travelled in Europe for six months with a friend. And we'd say, where do you want to go? Oh, I'm easy. And we, we never seemed to go anywhere. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> but, but often we decided, Phil and I decided, because Helen was easy. She was relaxed, she was generous, she was hospitable, she was caring. Well, as soon as we got married, I set about trying to change all these things. <laughs> and I used to get really annoyed and frustrated and impatient that Helen wouldn't let me. I tried to control her, but she wouldn't let me. I tried to be boss, but she wouldn't let me. <laughs> I'd ask her to come and help me with a job and um, I'd get annoyed because she'd be watching telly and she'd want to wait for half an hour to come and help me and I'm ready to put this up. But when she came, she'd tell me how to do it. <laughs> I didn't really want that. So, and one day I realised, Rob, you're trying to change the things that you love about her. Um, I loved that she was easy going. But then, of course, um, she wasn't passionate enough about some things. So I decided I want to change that. But fortunately, she wouldn't let me. And I realised, and, and I think she would have ended up my slave. And I would have hated that. But she was wise enough not to let me. And I realised one day, I'm competing. I'm competing with her out of insecurity, out of selfishness and impatience. I'm trying to excel by outdoing her, which means there's a winner and a loser, and that's not what God's about. So God challenged me. Um, as I read through the Bible, I came across Proverbs 5, and it said, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And I thought, Helen gave herself to me in so many ways, in a beautiful way as a young lady. And here I am treating that with disrespect. And I thought, I need to respect her and love her and love her as a princess and as a queen. And I thought about the fact that she would go to work 
she'd work with Matt. And I knew that it worked, they really appreciated her. And then she'd come home, oh, what'd you do that for? <laughs> and I'd be impatient and I'd think, why would she want to come home? <laughs> she'd want to stay at work where she was treated with respect and love. And I thought it's time that I start to build more of that. So she wants to come home. And then God challenged me with fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And I think most of all he challenged me with self-control. Um, not controlling others, but self-control. And I realised that it wasn't about me getting better at doing those things. It was about God transforming me and growing me. And he's been doing that bit by bit. And I realised it wasn't about competing. It was about, as Russ has already mentioned this morning, about completing. And completing is about providing the items necessary to make something full or entire. And God's about that. Um, I'm not complete in myself and it was never meant to be. And, and when, I, when I realised that, I thought, God's given me Helen to help complete me in the work that he's doing. That's synergy. That's God's maths. So then I started to allow more and more Helen to compliment me um, so that we became a team together. Um, even way back when the kids were young, I remember in The Sound of Music, the Von Trapp family, when he introduced his kids, they were lined up, they all had little suits on. I come from a European background. I, I was that sort of parent. You know, they'd all bow and they'd all introduce themselves if I could have my way. Well, Helen wasn't into that. <laughs> she was soft and warm and gentle, <laughs> fortunately. And so she helped to maintain... Um, sorry, she helped to build something, but at times she struggled with boundaries and she found it hard because the kids would walk around her at times. And, and that's where I could come in and help with things like that. But as long as we both worked from our strengths, that became beautiful. And I realised I didn't have to grow in the things that I was, I was weak in necessarily, unless they were unhealthy things, but I needed to draw from others who had the strengths that I didn't have. Yeah. So um, when we talk about all the one another's, there's lots of them in the Bible. It's about building team. So to complement means a thing that contributes extra features to something else in such a way as to improve or emphasise its quality, to build it up. Currently God's working on the concept of serving. When I came across John 13 again, and we all know the story probably, at the Last Supper, Jesus was coming to the end of his life. He was about to go. This was a really important time between him and his disciples. And it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he'd come from God and was returning to God. Now, at that point, I think that's amazing. He, he had it all sorted out. He had it together. Something beautiful. If I had to write the next bit, I would have put... He did something beautiful. He did miracles. He, he empowered them. He did all these wonderful things. It doesn't actually say that. It says he knelt down and he washed their feet. He served them. That's what he did out of knowing who he was. And I'm called to serve. And that's one of the current things God is changing in me in retirement is, is building that. I love the team God is building with Helen and I. I'm so grateful for it. It's richness. It's fun. It's closeness for us together. God is blessing us to be a blessing for others. Wonderful. I think we need a Helen now. 
it's important that we understand, and we're going to talk about, but uh, God's pattern for ministry and for leadership is team. Thank you, sir. We've been talking about kingdom leadership in the bigger context of living a life of freedom. We talked last week that we have one Lord, one master. It's Jesus, and you're not him. He's the only one who has authority over us. The only control the Bible talks about is self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Still with me? Okay. Three scriptures, a few points, and then we'll finish sometime today. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he, and he, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder. The word is plural. Elders who are among you I exhort. And then turn with me over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers or servants, which we just heard, through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything or he who waters but God who gives the increase. Know what that says? It says by ourselves we don't accomplish anything. But together, God can give increase. Planting without watering doesn't bring increase. Watering without seed doesn't bring increase. But when the two are together and God moves, there's increase. Point is this. God's pattern is team. That's what Rob was sharing. The A team, the first team, is all of us together as ministers. That's God's pattern. It's not a few people who do it for everyone else. It's all of us joining in and sharing. All our ministers Revelation chapter 2. In Jesus speaking to the churches, and he's speaking to the churches in chapter 2, he talks about this church, uh, church at Ephesus that had kind of lost their first love, but he says this, verse 6, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And then in chapter 15, speaking to another church, he says, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, he hates this. But you know there's, that scholars can't find a group called Nicolaitans. What is he hating? 
It's actually two Greek words, Nico and Laetus, which means conquering or ruling over the people. It's a separation between leaders and people that say, we rule over people. And he says, I hate this. I hate this attitude that creeps into the church that says, we rule over others. Why? Because we're a team. There's also another team when we talk about leadership, which is deacons and elders, which we'll get to at some other point. Why team? Why did God set this as his pattern? You know that God didn't actually have to create us male and female. Think about that. That's pretty philosophical. But he did. Why? Because male and female represents his image. There's something about us in team. Why, why is God's pattern team? Because first and foremost, God's team. And we're made in his image. He is team. So team is the way he works. Second reason why team is because in team, no one can boast. I planted. Look what I did. I did the planting. But by itself, it's nothing. But I did the watering. Look at me. I should get the credit. I did the watering. But it's nothing. Are you catching the picture? See, we need each other. God's pattern is that we need each other. It's not all about one person. It's not all about one thing. It's not all about one ministry, one gift. Even when he gave the Ephesians 4 gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints, there's a team. And in that, there is a recognition and a, and a balance. You know what happens if you only have the prophetic? I love the prophetic. I love people who hear God, but... When, when those guys only get together with those guys, it's like working out and just working your right bicep. Man, you do that until you get really big right bicep. Pretty soon you're this scrawny little body hanging from this big right bicep. <laughs> so you're out of balance. The problem is that the prophetic, without the other gifts, can get focused on we're just here to, to soak in the presence of God. That's great. God wants to fill us, but he wants to fill us so he can move us and he can send us. Who will go for me? We're filled with the Spirit, not just to be sitting filled with the Spirit, but to be partnering with him. So the prophetic needs the apostolic that says, hey, there's still the whole world. Are you still with me? We need the teacher who says, Prophetic starts getting their own revelation. God showed me this about the word, but you know what? If that's not what the word actually says, you need some, some adjustment. And so he gives us team together. So we need each other. Why? There's safety in team. He says elders, plural. Why? Because Jesus is the head of the church, not a person. Contrary to what the Catholic Church believes, the Pope is not the head of the church. 
contrary to what many Pentecostal churches believe, the senior pastor is not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Leadership then hears what he's saying and there's safety in a plurality that we hear together. It's not dependent on one person's emotion. You ever notice, if you're honest with yourself, when God speaks to us, it often comes into the context of where we are at the time, what we're feeling. I often use the illustration that if you have a glass and there's one drop of ink in the bottom of the glass and you pour pure crystal clear water in, when it comes out, it's slightly tainted. That's God speaking to us. The Holy Spirit comes in. But what comes out sometimes is just a little bit, carries a little bit of our emotion or our interpretation or our feeling or, you know, where we are at the time kind of impacts it. And, and it's dangerous if it's all on one person. So if we hear God together, there's a safety but there's also a safety and diversity. Different gifts together. We need to hear different voices. We need to hear different gifts. We need to be equipped. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints. How do you get equipped? You need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Like I said, you don't just need one voice. You need all of them. Now, some of us, let me just sidetrack here real quick. Because when God gives apostolic gifts, you know why we use apostolic? Because the word apostle is the first one in that list. That's all. Had he changed the order, and had he called it prophets, apostles, teachers, pastors, evangelists, we call them prophetic team. But when he sends those, so, so someone comes in, let's say the apostle comes in and he's got focus on Jesus and he's got a vision for, for the big picture and everyone is equipped a little bit. But there's some people who just resonate with that frequency. And for them it's like, wow, this is fantastic. This is what church should be all the time. And then there's a prophetic person who comes in, and everyone is raised in their intimacy with the Holy Spirit, their ability to hear God. But there's some who resonate with that frequency, and they say, yes, this should be what church is all the time. And then the evangelist comes in, and everyone is raised in their love for the lost, but there's some who resonate with that, and they go, yes, where has this person been? They should preach every week. <laughs> what am I saying? These gifts equip all of us, but some of us resonate differently. Pastor comes in, and there's just love for the body, and it's just we're in this together, and there's all these, as Rob referred to, over 41 and others in the word and we love one another and we honor one another and it's all, all about us. And we're all kind of 
raised in our love for one another. But there's some who just think, this is what church should be. It's all about us. Forget the lost. Forget the nations. It's just all about us loving one another. And I think that's what church should be all the time. And you know what? It, it actually should be. But it's all those together that equips us. So that why? Then what every joint supplies. That's referring to you. Equips the body. And the teacher. She wants to know about the teacher. You're leaving out the teacher. So, so the teacher comes in and, and talks about the word. Love for the word. Real quick, apostolic is this. The apostles love for Jesus. That's the main focus. It's Jesus. It's highlighting Jesus. It's acknowledging Jesus. And then seeing the nations, the bigger picture. Taking Jesus to the world. The prophet is the love for the Holy Spirit. Okay, they're equipping the saints. It's not just prophesying. Someone who comes in and prophesies over everyone is not an Ephesians 4 prophet. Someone who comes in and equips us to hear God's voice so that we can is. Evangelist, love for the lost. Teacher, love for the word. Pastor, love for the church. All of them, representing Jesus, bring us a greater love. You still with me? I'll teach on that at some point. That's not wasn't my plan today, but my wife is kind of... We're a good team. We compliment. <laughs> I really appreciated that. <laughs> See, once we understand team, we understand we're not in competition with one another. My gift is not in competition with Steve's gift. My gift is not in competition with Fiona's gift. We're in this together, and we can say, okay, let's hear what God's saying. So what team? Tell you why team. Let me tell you what team. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> what team is, I, I just said, different gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, he uses all of us, but also different generations. I could have planned this better, that these guys, uh, both Georgie and Charlie, just wanted to share a quick testimony this morning. See, God works through all of us. Let me tell you this. God's ability to use someone is not determined by their age. If you're looking for human wisdom, you better get to somebody who's lived a long time. But if you're looking for God to break in, you better open your ears to whoever, whoever he chooses to use. Geoffrey <laughs> said, no, but, but they're too young. What can they share? If it's the Holy Spirit, they can share the thing that brings... Breakthrough. You know that God can speak prophetically through children, yes. through young people? Yes. Yet the world says, go away and come back when you're older. You don't really have anything to offer until you become an adult. Yeah, you're in school, you're learning, you're doing this, and eventually you'll, you'll become an adult, and then you have something to share with us. That's the world. We're not following the world's pattern. We're following the kingdom pattern. Different gifts, different generations, different genders. As Rob said, husband and wife is the first team. I appreciate what he shared because we have to learn to appreciate one another. Mary and I went to a marriage seminar once 
And it was this very thing. It was learning that we complement one another and, and we're actually different. So we made a list, 92 differences <laughs> that were virtually opposite. Now either that becomes a real conflict because I was very much like Rob. I was trying to make Mary like me. I thought I was perfect. <laughs> she knew better. <laughs> but see, I tend to be very, very structured, uh, very sequential in my thinking, line upon line, which comes out of my preaching because you know it's usually moving to a, a point. Mary is very unstructured, but she's very creative. She has all the creativity in our family. We've got two of our kids are amazing musicians, and they all got it from her. One of our sons is a computer programmer. He got it from me. <laughs> but see, once I realized, okay, she didn't have to be like me, I can appreciate how God made her and that we complement one another. Quick illustration, when I make a sandwich, I get the bread out and I put the bread on the plate and I put the bread away. I get the mayonnaise out and I put the mayonnaise on the bread and I put the mayonnaise away. Then I get the cheese out and I put the cheese on the bread and I put the cheese away. And Mary gets it all out, makes the bread and leaves it all there while she goes to eat her sandwich. I used to think that my way was right and her way was wrong until I realized that it's not. It's just a reflection of my personality type and God made me this way. And she's a reflection of her personality type and it gets put away eventually. <laughs> After the mayonnaise has gone off. No. <laughs> and her sandwich is fresh when she eats it. But take that and look at all these people around you. And they're different. Do we appreciate that God actually uses team or do we say, you've got to be like me? Now in a bigger picture, we're all being conformed to the image of Christ. We need to understand that. But Jesus isn't structured as opposed to unstructured. Jesus is complete. Together, we represent him. All the gifts and all the personalities and all the graces represent him. And so we can appreciate one another. Not everyone has to be like me. Though I really do like it, the fact that when the guys come and set up, they set up the chairs in nice rows and they're not just scattered all over the place. <laughs> yeah, Mary wouldn't mind them scattered. So there's different gifts, different generations, different genders, and different personality types we were just talking about. We all have, you just moved that one out of the line. I did notice that. <laughs> different personality types. And that's really what one of the things we're going to uh, explore, one of the small things we're going to explore with Steve and Terry this weekend. What's your type? Okay, it's not, it's not the only thing. Understand Steve is, he's, well-trained in this, but he understands that there are gifts of the Spirit. There is God working in our lives. There's personalities, but there's also other things. So we're talking about different types so we can just understand the basic 
foundational motivation of how people work. Are we structured? Are we, do we get our energy being alone or do we get energy being with other people? Now there's some of us, when we're around other people, it just fills us full of energy and we just love that. And there's some of us that being alone fills us with energy. Okay? It's how God made us. There's not one right and one wrong, but we often have this idea that we should be this way. I love being around people. I love you. I love gathering together, but I have to be honest. I gain energy being alone. By the time we finish Sunday, I am tired. Okay? Because you don't give me energy. Now, that's not a... Uh, that's not a criticism in any way. I appreciate our differences, and I love being around you, but I just have to then get alone and say, okay, I need to get refilled. Fortunately, Jesus does that. My son, Matt, who also leads the church, he's just the opposite. Man, by the time Sunday's finished, he is just higher than a kite. <laughs> he'll just, he's, yeah, he'll have finished Sunday, he'll invite people over all day, and then, and by the end of the day, he just goes, goes to the bed, goes, poof. There's no right or wrong. But it sure is helpful to know what your spouse is. <laughs> is your spouse someone who gains energy by being around people and they're always inviting people over and they want to be around people and you're saying, I just need some alone time. Okay, doesn't mean I don't like you. Doesn't mean I don't like your friends. Just means that I need some time. But the other side of the coin is that you can't just say, okay, my wife needs to be like me or my spouse. I like being alone, so we should always be alone. We should never see people. <laughs> we should live in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, why are we doing this? Bring this to a close. Because there has been, as I shared last week, a wrong understanding of a kingdom model for leadership. There's a lot of people who've been hurt. A lot of people who've been hurt by leaders. They think, ah, it was that person, so I'll just go somewhere else where there's another person, but it's the same model, which is hierarchy, that eventually brings hurt again. Some of you have been hurt over and over and over. And you keep thinking, ah, could there be someone who isn't like this? Let me tell you, there isn't. I'm not that person because it's not the someone, it's the model. No matter how good a person is, if we build the wrong model contrary to God's pattern, we're never going to get God's result. That hierarchical model is the world's pattern. But the problem is, having been through that, something tends to take root and begins to grow in our heart, and it's called cynicism. Cynicism is an interesting thing. It actually says, I question someone else's motives. I'm distrustful of them. This person says they actually 
want to see me come to fullness in Christ, but really I think they only want me as part of their church for numbers. This person says this, and cynicism sits in our heart, and it says, I don't trust them. I'm sure they have an ulterior motive. Now, it's often based on experience time and time and time again. But no matter what happens, as I said last week, the devil wins because we become part of the problem and not part of the solution. Part of the problem being, I'm not going to be part of this. I'm going to stand back. I'm going to put a wall around myself, and I'm not going to receive from others, but I'm not also not going to share with others. My gift is for me alone. Me get, get back here in my, I'll come and I'll look, but I'll never open up myself. Now, Russ, you've gone to stepping on toes here. If that's you, God just wants to bring healing, a life of freedom, that you're free from the hurts of the past. You're free from a wrong model. To be added to a right model and be part of the solution. To bring your gift and add it. To bring your personality type and add it. But also to be accepting and appreciating of others. Of Johan. <laughs> Takes a lot of grace sometimes. I noticed that Leah crawled off his lip. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I started this three weeks ago when I talked about kingdom ministry being built on humility. It's not about me, it's about him. Being built on love, accepting others. See, the only way God's pattern works, the only way team works, is if we don't think too highly of ourselves. Oh, but I've got the gift. No, we need everyone. They might not, not all be exactly the same. For some of you, the thought of standing in front and sharing with people just drives you crazy. You know the number one fear? in society is speaking in public speaking, speaking in front of people. 90% of people say that that's their fear, their number one fear. Only about 54% of people say that their number one fear is death. <laughs> Think about that. For some people, they'd rather die than get in front of people and talk. Let me ask you, has cynicism crept into your heart? Has it roots set down? If it has, God just wants to remove that so that we can go forward together. Would you bow your head? I'm well aware that as soon as we dismiss and we go grab some coffee and tea and we get into lunch and the rest of the day, that the enemy has an opportunity to come in and steal the word. So I want to give you a chance. If there's something of cynicism, 
that's crept into your heart. We talked last week about forgiveness and not, not ending into bitterness, and we dealt with those. I'm assuming that that's already dealt with. And so I'm going on to the next little root of cynicism, distrust of others, a holding back and not willing to add your part and not willing to open your heart to others. Or maybe it's just a little distrust. Every time they say something, you go, yeah, I bet he doesn't actually believe that. That's the case. Just allow the Holy Spirit very gently to uproot that and throw it out. Just say, God, I just give it to you. I want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Or that cynicism has come in, even if it was justifiable. Just allow him to remove it. Because you will have the incredible privilege of being a part of what he's doing. You will have the incredible blessing of receiving others' gifts. You will have the incredible opportunity to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Someone once said to me, anybody can look at the church and see the problem. It's not rocket science. But very few will make themselves part of the solution. American President Teddy Roosevelt said once, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out where the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. So rather than sitting back and being critical, say, God, I want to be in the arena. I want to be part of the solution. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're the one who leads us in truth. Thank you that you're the one who brings healing. Thank you for what you're doing, people getting saved. Lord, that, that your hand is at work. And thank you that we can move from competing to complimenting. And that's your heart's desire. And Lord, we just say, we want to be complimenting one another in all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.